a long country mile with this topic and gone and visited a lot of places and smelled a lot of roses along the way. And hopefully, uh, there's been some blessings that have come uh, through that as we begin to uh, and continue this process of uh, refining our understanding and our thinking around God's kingdom, around His reign in our life, and just what's available to us even now that we don't have to wait for. Uh, Of course, we look forward to a, a heavenly home, but even now, the redemption that's available to us, the power that's available to us, I don't think we fully comprehend all that God just wants and longs to give us if we will just ask for it and seek it. So sometimes people maybe uh, push back a little bit and talk to me about how they find it a little bit odd about how much I talk about the hard work of transformation. Uh, To become the person that God created you to be, there is work involved. Uh, To actually change our character to become a man or a woman of virtue. Uh, There's a lot of work combined with a lot of grace for that transformation to take place. And I would say, you know, we are in danger sometimes if we just believe on a divine whammy from from heaven above that's going to take care of everything, and I just sit around waiting, and I don't do anything. that is presuming against the grace of God, which is, uh, is a sin, and uh, we need to do better than that. If I have a marathon to run, I don't train for it by drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and eating potato chips and watching TV all the time. That is not going to lead to a successful marathon that I run. This is not my marathon body, by the way. And you know what? I'm not talking about works-based righteousness. I'm talking about uh, caring enough to seek the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because if we really seek the Lord like this, we don't have to have a discussion about the fruit or the works. They're going to take place because the good things flow from a good heart. And it shouldn't be a surprise to you that God expects things from you. Is that really a surprise that God would presume to expect certain things from you and want certain things from your life? He gives us meaningful work to do. He gives us talents. He gives us even desire, areas of interest and giftedness. He expects us to use these gifts and he holds us accountable. And I got to say, sometimes grace, it does come to us as a bolt out of the blue. Uh, Grace comes to us when we aren't asking, when you're not looking, when you don't care, and when you're not even grateful. God's blessings still come. That is how reckless he is in his goodness and his love. But if there's something that I see about the heart of God that Jesus shows us, is God, he wants to be sought by you. He wants you to look for him. He wants you to ask. He wants you to search. And God, he has grace and power that he longs to share with you. 
if you will care enough to go after it and to ask him for it. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And when you ask, seek and knock, suddenly we find ourselves on a pilgrimage in search of grace and in search of the doorways to enter into the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Most people do not know the full reality of Jesus' words. Because most of us would rather choose to live in a kingdom of our own making rather than the kingdom that he offers. You just got to own that about yourself and your propensity to do that. So what happens in a kingdom of our own making? I was thinking about that this week. In a kingdom of my own making, I refuse to ask and so nothing is given. I don't care enough to seek and so nothing is found. And where I don't knock, and so the doors that I really need to be opened, they stay shut. I have not knocked. But if you really want it, if you really want it and you're really willing to go after it, Jesus' promise is you will find it. Even now, a life lived in the power and the blessing of the kingdom of God. If you want it bad enough, you can have it now. So last week we talked about what it is exactly that we do to enter into this kingdom of heaven. And the scriptures talk a lot about this, uh, how do we enter into the, the kingdom of heaven. But the first bridge we have to cross is coming to terms with what you determine to be your trusted sources of information. When you need information on how to live your life, What can you depend on? Some people will depend on their news source. Uh, I need to know what's going on in the crisis in the world right now, so I prefer NPR, or I prefer Fox News, or I prefer... What are your trusted sources of information? I proposed last week, and I talked a lot about this, that it needs to be the Bible. And there is nothing at all in human history that is like what these words are and what is in that book. So you got to find your sources of truth, and you got to stand somewhere. And I would propose that nothing better, there's nothing better for you than to trust the Bible. And so we talked about these things last week, and I wanted to go over them again because I think they're important enough points that I want them to kind of sink in a little bit more. So trust the Bible. Come to the Word of God with a teachable spirit and a willingness to repent. If you come as an actual searcher to the Scriptures, if you come asking God in a repentant mood, show me what I need to see. Show me where I need to change. Show me where I need to grow. Show me the gifts that I need to use. How can I use these for your glory, Lord? If you come to the Scripture like that, look out. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of stuff like that in your heart, and you guys are off on a journey together, and it's a beautiful thing. You've got to go after it with everything you got. You can't be wishy-washy about it. 
in this Luke uh, 9.62 passage. If you set your hand to the plow and you, and you look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. Righteousness is a checklist. Uh, works-based righteousness alone is not enough. You've got to go beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. In order to enter this kingdom, you have to become like a little child. A little child who doesn't pretend. A little child who asks. A little child who is not losing sleep at night typically because they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They just trust. Mom and dad will take care of me. And when they sleep, they sleep so sound because they don't carry those same weight of burdens because they trust and my parents are going to be there for me. Become like a little child to enter this kingdom, not faking it. And then to enter this kingdom, you've got to be born again. Born of water and the Spirit, born from above. And even in this kingdom, you don't stand in pretense and propriety waiting for someone's permission to get in this kingdom. You will not take no for an answer. You seek the kingdom with violence. That means you don't let anything get in the way between you and a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about just how wide the doors are open to the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we are told in Mark chapter 12, 37, that the people heard Jesus gladly. You know, me as a preacher, I try to gather people together. I hope you hear me gladly. Sometimes you just like my soothing voice. It's relaxing and calming. It helps you sleep better either now or later. Okay. But it says of Jesus that the common people, regular everyday people, they heard him gladly. And so many people in this world are clamoring for attention. I want to be an influencer. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say about this. And if I'm wearing this scant piece of clothing, you'll listen all the more. I don't wear scant clothing anyway. Everyone clamoring to be heard and to have attention. Jesus spent more time trying to get away from people to be alone with his Father because people were just attracted to him, attracted to his heart, attracted to his teaching, even when it was hard. It was just this magnetic presence. The people heard him gladly. <coughs> so gladly, in fact, that one of the primary motivations for Jesus' murder was envy. It was envy and jealousy on the part of the religious leaders of that day. They were jealous. See, Jesus is the most disruptive person in human history. And they recognized him as disruptive. And he's disruptive to the normal understanding of who are the haves and who are the have-nots. Who's a have and who's a have-not in this world? Our culture enforces this and it teaches this from the time we're very young. It'll ingrain this in you. Are you a have or a have not? Jesus is, is disruptive to that normal understanding. Who is in and who is out in our culture? Jesus disrupts that. <coughs> 
Jesus disrupts the normal understanding of who is up and coming and who is down and out. Who is down and out? It's Jesus' answers in scriptures are rather surprising to us. And so the religious leaders, they view Jesus' teaching as violence. It is threatening, a great danger. Because this guy comes saying that God invites everyone. All of these rules, all these boxes that we've made, he's saying none of that matters anymore. (coughs) Look at the criteria that Jesus gives for entering into the kingdom of heaven. These criteria that he gives. How many of these criteria have anything to do with your age? You're too young. You're too old. How many of these things have to do with your gender? Or your race? Or your education? Or the size of your bank account? or your reputation, or the size of your waist. And sometime uh, we're going to spend more time talking about this principle of inversion in the Gospels. All of these things that Jesus comes and the prevailing assumptions are there of who's in and who's out and who's blessed and who's not. Jesus takes all of these things and turns them on. He inverts them. And suddenly, uh, you're becoming poor in order to be rich. You are giving up your life in order to find your true life. All of these inversions to the prevailing understanding of humanity and human culture. But one of the reasons why Jesus' message was so radical is because that he was announcing the blessing of the kingdom of God is now being available to people who the culture had presumed to be unblessable. It's just like these people are not blessed. They're not blessable. You can't do anything. Thanks, Gary, so much. People in the cars, Gary Brown brought me water, so... Thank you. And the people that the culture assumed, they're blessed. They hardly even need anything from God. They're so blessed. Jesus comes and says, no, you're shut out completely. And people are like, what are you talking about? Jesus attacks the prevailing assumptions that people had. Those presumed to be unblessable are blessed. Those presumed to already be blessed. Jesus says things like, woe to you. How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Things like that. The prevailing assumptions. And one of the things that is so shocking about Jesus Christ is the people that he accepted. The people that he invited in. And he was constantly in trouble for this because he was hanging out with unacceptable people, tax collectors, prostitutes, Samaritans, the unclean, the unwanted, talking to women. In Luke 15, too, it says, 
the Pharisees said about them, this man receives sinners and eats food with them. The very thought of something like that just gives me chills. This guy, you know who he is? He's eating with sinners. And this is the point about the kingdom of heaven. It is wide open. It is wide open and available. And the generosity that Jesus displayed and who he was willing to accept, it is, of course, the generosity of God the Father. And it is that spirit of generosity that stands behind the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says this about his Father. He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The ungrateful and the wicked, that of course includes me. That's a reference to myself. Let me ask a question. How many times do you think God has blessed you or given you something or protected you that he has made those lines fall in a pleasant place for you and you didn't even notice? You didn't ask. You didn't look. You think, I don't really even care. How many times have you been blessed and you never even counted that blessing? How many breaths have you taken since I've spoken these words? You see, this generosity of God the Father, it stands behind the kingdom of heaven. And it is the generosity of God that throws the doors to this kingdom wide open. Anyone can come. Anyone can can come. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, and since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way in. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. Who said you could be here? No, this Jesus is my Lord. My Lord, that's all there is. You you are commanded to go after this kingdom with violence. You will not take no for an answer. And people are freaking out who are in charge of things and the systems of that day. From the Romans to Herod the Great, the richest man maybe in human history, to the religious leaders and the high priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Who said you could be here? (laughs) Who let these people in here? You don't look right. 
You don't smell right. You don't think right. You don't do right. Who said you could be here? Not smart enough, not popular enough, not pretty enough, not religious enough. All of these prevailing assumptions people had about who's in and who's out, who is blessed and who's not blessed. Jesus comes and he turns it all on its ear. And those who couldn't get in before, now they are invited. And suddenly the methods that everyone has used every place in human history to keep score, they don't amount to anything. And it's all now based on faith, and faith is trust. I say to you that many will come from east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Trust in God, obedience to him, and the actions that you take based on in trust and obedience that's what God cares about. He cares about the heart. And the doors of his kingdom are wide open if you will but choose to walk through them. Well, doesn't God care about righteousness? Oh, yes, he does. More than you or I know. But the invitation, it always comes first. The bath comes later. The invitation is always there first. The bath comes later. The mental bath as well. Helping us learn to think better and think right things about God and His kingdom. See, there are a lot of desperate people who their lives are a complete mess. And they're blundering around looking for anything to grab a hold of and they stumble into the kingdom of God. They stumble onto the reality of God. I have seen this. And one of the, the, the things that I was really blessed to be a part of was a 12-step group with an organization called Celebrate Recovery. And uh, you want to talk about messes? These were messy people. But they were not mincing words about who their higher power was. They were shouting from the rooftops, Jesus Christ has saved my life, literally. Literally saved my life. Healing marriages. Breaking drug addictions. Reconciled relationships. It is the power of the kingdom of God at work in lives. And it's a beautiful thing. And if you are really entering into the kingdom of heaven, if you want to know if it's real, look at the change. Look at the fruit being produced. 
Whenever you enter the kingdom of God, you are always changed. You can't, your, your, appetite, your appetite's changed. I used to think I need this to feel comfort. I used to think I needed this pleasure or this security, whichever way I think about it. And I realize that when I'm alone with you, Lord, in this moment, I am happy and I don't need anything. Whenever you step into that power and the grace of the kingdom of God, you are changed because the kingdom of God is a transformative event. And finding that kingdom is so monumental. Nothing stays the same. Your heart is transformed. And you're clean from the inside out. And when you're clean from the inside out, you're not faking it anymore. That goodness is really who you are and who you've become. See, it's not the Pharisees who tried to keep these list of laws, who did everything right. It's the desperate people who said, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. And as we close this morning, I'm going to ask us one more question. Who is the greatest person who has ever lived in human history? If you're a student of history, who is the greatest? There's a lot. Jesus had a person that he said was the greatest. He said this, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Think about who this man was. The guy who got to prepare the way for the Messiah himself. This is the guy who got to baptize Jesus, the Son of God. And yet Jesus says this, Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Greater because you've accomplished more than John the Baptist? Greater in smarts or good looks or wealth than John the Baptist? No, the person who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist because being in the kingdom is such a monumentous, momentous, transforming event. And if you are in this kingdom, you are greater than the greatest humans who have ever walked the face of this earth because of what is now available to you, because of the power available to you, because of whose presence you stand. And Jesus' teaching about this kingdom is that it starts now. It starts now already. For those who have the courage to ask, for those who have the courage to seek, for those who have the courage to knock, that blessing comes to us now. So Lord willing, next week we're going to be getting into the Beatitudes. And we'll be talking about things like how is it that people who are mourning now are being comforted. How many people in our church are mourning right now? We've got a lot of mourning. 
lost loved ones? How is it that you can say and presume to say in the pain that I'm going through that I'm blessed right now? We're going to talk about that next week. Or let me ask you this. How easy do you think it is to be a peacekeeper in Russia right now? I was just reading the news the other day. Thousands join anti-war protests in Russia after the Ukrainian invasion. So I don't know who that woman is that's being arrested for saying no to war. I don't even know what her motivations are. But I know in the kingdom of God, peacemakers are blessed, even when it's hard. Some risked arrest on Thursday evening in order to voice their opposition to the invasion. Zargal, I'm so bad at the Russian names, sorry, or Ukrainian. Rinchinov from Buryatia arrived on the square in a jacket with the inscription, No to war! If he held up a sign, he said, he would be arrested. Everyone is scared, he said. They know if they say something bad, then they'll be put in jail. So people pretend they don't notice that we have started a war. So then they don't have to speak up about it. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons and daughters of God. You see... I know I've been talking a lot about this kingdom of God, but I really think everything hinges on this. That if we more and more learn to become citizens of the kingdom of God, you are going to naturally bring about the healing that is so desperately needed in this world. Healing for the situations you come across and step into. Uh, Paul talks about this, and he says, all creation longs, it groans, waiting for the sons of God and the daughters of God to be revealed. Will you let the kingdom of God be revealed in your life, in your heart? That's the invitation available to us. If you need the prayers of this church, if you would like to put the Lord on in baptism, I don't know where you are in your heart and things right now, but I always stand up here after and uh, come and find me, and you can let, those, let me know about those needs, and uh, we'll continue on trying to be the people of God and His citizens. So let's uh, go ahead and stand to sing together now.